You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Hallelujah. Well, y'all remember on 12-12 in the second service, um, the Lord gave me an utterance. So 12-12 on 21, the Lord gave me an utterance, and I want to read it uh, to you. And uh, this is, you know, the Apostle Paul told Timothy to war a good warfare with the prophecy or the utterance that you spoke. And so um, we don't look for these things, but when they happen, um, you know, a lot of times people really pray and they really, you know, what is the Lord saying for the next year? Well, it's really not the next year for him. Uh, It's the next year for us. And so, but he's the one that set times and seasons. And he knows that humanity, uh, for whatever, most of humanity now, on December 31st, they hit the reset button. And so he realizes that about us and he has our attention. And so many times that's why he's able and why he does say some things. It says, so you enter into what you deem as the next year. That's interesting. Be mindful to keep your eyes only on me. Look upward. Have a steadfast gaze. What is a steadfast gaze? Well, it reminds me of the serpent on the pole in the Old Covenant. Remember, only those who had a steadfast gaze are the ones that survived. And those who did not have a steadfast gaze uh, did not survive. Have a steadfast gaze on things that are above where you're seated and where I'm seated in the heavenly realm. Pay not as much attention. He didn't say pay no attention, but he said don't give your attention to those things that go on around you, for they will confound you. But if you look up, everybody say, I'm looking up. If you'll understand the season and the time, you'll greatly rejoice. For what I do for you in this next season, I will bring much joy. Are you looking for, come on, are you grateful for joy? He didn't say I'm bringing you much sadness, much madness. He said, I'm bringing joy. Are you grateful for joy and power? And, and, and you'll be an overcoming church like never before because you'll need it for this hour. You'll need it for this hour. So if he says you're going to need it, then, you know, uh, he didn't say, uh, you know, put on your boots, buckle up your belts, hang on for the ride. You know, it's going to get rough out there. That's not what he said. But if it is rough out there, he said, here's my answer. Um, Keep your eyes on me and let's have some joy. And, and he said, for my, gra- for my grace you shall walk in, my grace you shall stand, and you will surely see my great and mighty hand. You will know what, that my arm is not shortened, my hand is not closed, for I'll protect my children and all will know. The land of Goshen will have nothing on you. You'll see my power, you'll see my virtue. It is time to rejoice. It is time to be glad. And I'm going to stop right there because that's what I'm going to preach on today. That's what I had on my heart. And so the title of my sermon today is Goshen has nothing on you. Goshen has nothing on you. <laughs> Glory to God. And so we're going to start, we're going to work into it. He said, my grace, you'll walk in and my grace, you'll stand. And so James chapter four, verses six and seven, I'm just going to go over these a little bit. Um, Something I minister on quite a bit uh, is resisting the devil. I'm having you know that uh, Jesus is the one that put the line of uh, demarcation. It wasn't any modern gospel. It was Jesus himself when he said, the, the thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. No man came up with that. No woman came up with that. No modern uh, philosophy came up with that. No modern movement came up with that. Jesus came up with that. And Jesus said, it's the devil and the devil alone that steals, that kills, and destroys. Then he said, but. Everybody say, but. But what? I have come. Are you grateful that Jesus have come? He said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The Lord is not anything that steals, anything that kills, anything destroys. A four-year-old can get this. It takes a preacher with a doctorate to mess it up. Jesus said, if it steals from you, if it kills, if it destroys, it is always from the devil. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundant. That blessing that Pastor Robert was talking about. Why did I bring that up? Well, then he tells us some things that we're supposed to do. So James 4 and 7, familiar scripture, but it says, Submit yourself therefore unto God. And then what are you supposed to do with the devil? 
I remember what, one time I was having a really bad trouble. Things were, you know, some things were going on and I was like, and I knew there was a person doing it. And I said to the Lord, um, tell me who's doing this and I'll handle it. And he said to me, it's the devil. And I like, yeah, I get that, but tell me the person. And he said it to me again. It's, he, he didn't use the word devil. He said, it's Satan. And I was like, yes, I know. You know, you give me all these words of knowledge. You give me words of wisdom. You tell me the preciseness of someone's disease. You can give me, and he's given me names before to call out in a, in a crowd. One time, Robert and I were in Brazil, and I don't know Brazilian names, and I called out two or three names of people, and they got miracles and stuff. You can give me this name. And he said to me the third time, it's Satan, the devil. <sighs> What's his point? Even if it is a person, there's somebody behind it. And if you deal with the person, you still haven't dealt with the real issue. If you deal with a group of people, you still haven't dealt with the real issue. Anything that steals, anything that kills, anything that destroys is of the devil. And as a believer, he said, first of all, what you got to do, James 4 and 6, he said, he talked about grace. Now that word grace, I'm talking about resisting the devil. Well, the first thing you need to know is you got to have grace. Grace is not just unmerited favor. There's all kinds of grace. There's grace to be rich. That's what the Bible says. I don't have time. Uh, you should come to our Bible Institute if you don't understand some of these things. But gr there's grace to be rich. There's serving grace. There's definitely, everybody looks at saving grace. Are you grateful for saving grace? But it's not, it's not the only kind of grace there is. The other kind of grace is standing grace. That's the same grace you remember. Because, you know, uh, you, everybody knows about Paul's thorn in the flesh, right? And so it, what was 2 Corinthians chapter 12? What did, what, did, what did we find there in verses 7 through 10? The enemy was coming against him and he uh, pleaded with, the, come on, if you, come on, if you look at Paul's life, wouldn't you get tired of it after a while if you bobbed up and down the ocean a few times? Come on, everywhere he went, he caused, uh, you know, a revival and a riot at the same time. I mean, he, he just got, he, he's a human being. He, he's not a superman. He's just a human being and he got tired of it. And he was just like, just like you sometimes. What up? Where are you? And what did the Lord answer back? My grace is sufficient. He didn't just say, hang on, baby. He didn't just say, Paul, just endure it. No, my grace, if it's sufficient. And then Paul's like, oh, he said, well, then I'm going to glory in my weakness. What am I going to do? What does that mean? I'm not going to be thankful for the attacks. I'm going to be grateful that when a persecution comes, when a trial comes, when something comes, I understand I'm standing in something. I'm saying in something because so James wrote about, he said, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, then in due season, he'll lift you up. And it talks about grace. So let's look at that real quick. Y'all come today, you, you have to help me because I'm going to have to, I can teach you all for hours, I can tell already. James 4 and 6, he says, but God gives more grace. Could you use more grace? Well, that's not a trick question. Could you use more grace? If more grace is available, could you use some more? Yeah. And so this kind of grace, well, I've already been saved. I don't need that, kind, I don't need that grace. Well, there's all kinds of grace. You, need, I, you definitely need more serving grace. Amen. Just leave that alone. You need more grace. Wherefore, he said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. So everybody do what? We got to humble. And then it says, submit yourself, therefore unto God, resist the devil. So grace and, and resisting the devil go hand in hand. You cannot resist the devil on your own. You need to stand in the power of God. Amen. Amen. So, what, so what was the Lord saying to us? He said, you'll walk in my grace and in my grace you'll stand. Why do you need to stand in grace? Because you have an enemy. But you need, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Submit yourself to the Lord and, you, and resist the devil and he'll flee. Verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he'll lift you up. And then 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, verse 5, it says, God resists the proud and gives grace to who? 
the humble. So everybody in this room, what do you and I have to do? God won't humble you. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he gives you this grace, this power to resist. Do you need grace to resist the devil? You do. Well, I just, I have the name of Jesus. Yes, you have the name of Jesus, and yes, you're submitted to God, but when you, when you humble yourself before God, he gives you this grace wherein you stand, and grace is the power of God to resist the devil. You are no match for the devil on your own. You need the name of Jesus and you need this grace wherein you stand. And that's why he said, so walk in grace and then stand in this grace. And just like the apostle Paul, who got tired of the death. I know you because I know me. Do you get tired of it sometimes? But being tired of it is not a strategy. I just wish this was over. Well, it probably is not ever going to be over anything. Why? Because there's always a devil and you can't control the world, but you can control your world. No, listen to me. You can't control the world, but you can control your world. Yeah. Can you? Yeah. Cause I'm walking in the power. I'm walking in grace. I'm standing in grace and I can resist the devil. And when it comes to me and mine and you know, and us as a group, we can resist it. So are you with me? So what, what do we got to do in this hour? Number one, I'm going to walk in the grace of God. I'm going to stand in the grace of God. What's it for? So I can resist the devil. Do you have an enemy? He's a defeated foe, but do you still have to resist him? And what do you need to do it? Grace. Everybody say, I walk in and I stand in the grace of God. And then he said to us, you will surely see my great and mighty hand. Ooh, his mighty hand. And you will know that my arm is not shortened and my hand is not closed. For I will protect my children and all will know. So let's look at some scripture. Uh, anytime someone gives a word from the Lord, how many know it ought to have the word in it? even future stuff, you ought to be able to tell that it came from God and not someone's soul. Isaiah chapter um, 59, verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Behold, the, the, the Lord's hand is not shortened. That it cannot do what? And his ear is not that it cannot. Amen. Glory to God. So can you see that God's hand is not shortened? In other words, he can get to you. And what about God's hand? So let's look at Psalms 145, 16. Psalms 145, 16. Thou openest thine hand, talking about the Lord, and what is it? So God's hand, and it satisfies the desire of every living thing. Let's look at Psalms 104, 28. Psalms 104, 28. Thou givest them that they gather. Thou openest thine hand. They are filled with good. You know, a lot of times um, I had this image of growing up of God that was obviously uh, wrong. Um, I grew up believing that we served an angry God who you can never please. And I was afraid of him in a wrong way. Uh, it wasn't real reverence because it was a, a wrong picture of God. Um, real reverence fears God, but it's a different, it's a respect. It's a healthy respect, but also knowing that he's a good God. And a lot of times when it comes to people in praying and trying to use their faith, they always think they're, they may not say it this way, but their image of God is he's got his hand behind their, his back with their answer in his hand. And they, with their faith, must pry that hand open and move it forcefully towards them and then finally rip it out of his hand. But that is just not the truth with God. Number one, his hand is open to give freely. You don't got to pry it out of his hand. You just got to receive it. You just got to take it. It belongs to you. And his arm, his hand is not shortened. In other words, he's not holding back from you. It's extended. How do I know that? If he gave you Jesus, the Bible says, what would he ever withhold from you? 
Yeah, but you got to be careful, preacher, this, this, this good God gospel. You know, there's bad things going around. Don't you think God is in the middle of it? I think that Jesus died on a cross, took all my sin, my sickness, my disease, all my poverty, all my shame, all the blame. I believe that he is the perfect sacrifice that hung on a tree, the Lamb of God. And I believe that he went into the bowels of hell and he destroyed the works of the devil. I believe on the third day that the Holy Ghost was sent into hell and raised him up after he paid the full cost of any and all bad things that sin caused. I believe that he took his blood and put it on the mercy seat. And I believe that settled it for hereafter forever, that I would have access to a father who is good. Hallelujah. And Jesus then sat down at his own right hand. And then he invited everybody to join him. I believe that we serve a good God and Jesus, if there was the this penalty of sin has been paid, but you know what? People are still paying for it, but you and I don't have to, if we'll serve God, if we'll get saved and serve God and obey God and walk free from sin. Is there bad on the earth? Well, who caused that bad? Well, I already told you John 10 and 10, it's the thief and, and God and the devil are not teammates. And the Lord doesn't use the devil as a henchman. God is good. His hand is open. It's open. What do you got to do? Receive from it. So number one, he said, walk and stand in my grace. Number two, he wants you and I to know his hand is open. His hand is open. Ooh, just say, thank you, Lord. I receive from your open hand. What is that? All the promises of God are yes and amen to you in Christ Jesus, right? In Christ Jesus, revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus. So his hands, his arm is not shortened. He's not withholding. You don't got to pry it. He wants to give you good things. Are you there? And so then he said, the third thing he said to us in this portion of it, he said, um, uh, for, uh, he said, I will, I'll protect my children and all will know. Well, do I got any children of God in the room? Sons and daughters. I just want to run through some of these. <laughs> I love to talk about these things. I, I just picked a few. Proverbs 18, 10. Proverbs 18 said, says, God, he is my strong tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they're what? Safe. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm rounding third, Lord. I'm coming, into, I'm coming in to the strong tower and I, I'm safe. Hallelujah. Home run, hallelujah. The name of the Lord, come on, the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord, that's your strong tower. That's your strong tower. Are you righteous? Are you righteous? Yeah. <laughs> you became, you, you're no longer a sinner, just saved by grace. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things are new. And as a righteous person, as a righteous man and woman of God, God wants to be your strong tower. What is a strong tower? You got to run into him. No, you, you can't run away from him. You got to run into him. And when you run into him, everybody shout, I'm safe. I'm safe. Woo, what are you safe from? The devil. What, what? The works of the devil? The things that steal, kill, and destroy? Well, you know, it happens to everybody. It doesn't have to happen to everybody. We're going to get to that in a minute. It doesn't, happen to ha it, it doesn't have to happen to everybody. Everything that's going on doesn't have to happen. And even if something does attach itself to you, you can get rid of it quicker than they do, and you can uh, walk free from it, and you don't have to have any long-term effects from it. Psalms 27.5. I like these words. Psalms 27.5. For in the time of in 2022, in January, 
in the middle of a, whatever this weather is and all this stuff, the mess and everything. For in the time of, do you think we qualify? For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm, going into, I'm going into the strong tower. I'm going into the pavilion. He's a pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. Woo! I'm going to play hide and seek and never be found by the devil. I'm never, no. Well, I mean, I can hide from the effects of what's going on in the world. I like this part. He shall set me upon a rock. What is the, I'm, Jesus is known as the rock. Amen. Come on. If you, if you hear his word and do it, uh, what, he, he, you'll, you'll build your house like on a rock. And when the storms come, you're going to be fine. Amen. For in the time of trouble, is there any trouble? You qualify. He shall hide me. Do you know him? Is there a pavilion available to you in the realm of spirit? There is. In the secret of his tabernacle shall you hide me. Come on, I am in his pavilion. You cannot get me out. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do what I need to do from his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle you'll hide me. He's going to set me on a rock. Well, let's keep going. Psalms 32.7. Psalms 32.7. Glory to God. Psalms 32.7. I love these. Psalms 32.7. You are my hiding place. You will preserve me from trouble. You are my, come on, you say that, say, Lord, you are my hiding place. <laughs> What's he going to do? He's going to preserve you from trouble. Who's the causer of the trouble? The devil's the causer of the trouble. The one who steals, kills, and destroys. What's he going to preserve you from? He, he's going to hide you, and he's going to preserve you from trouble. You shall compass me about with songs of deliverance. Come on, come on, while you're in the hiding place, you can hear songs of deliverance, songs of praise that proclaim, I am delivered. I, come on, who is the deliverer? His name is Jesus. He's not only set you free from sin, he set you free from the effects of sin. He, he, he took stripes on his back so you could be delivered from sickness and disease. He took stripes on his back. He who knew no sin became sin so you could become righteous. He took stripes on his back so that you can walk in health and healing. He became poor that you could become rich. He said, my peace, I leave you. Come on, you can walk in the peace of God. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He walked in joy in the greatest trial and tribulation of his life, knowing what was about to happen to him. Come on. I'm telling you, when you get into the hiding, uh, I don't know, I'm just kind of imagining myself. I walk into the hiding place and then I hear, a, you know, a really good, you know, a vibe behind me. Sing, somebody singing songs of deliverance, reminding me that it doesn't matter what's going on out there. I'm delivered. I'm free. I'm safe. I'm sound because I am hiding in him. No, I'm not burying my head in the sand. No, yeah, I, I can know what's going on around me, but it doesn't affect me. I'm not participating. Hallelujah. Shoo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Psalms 61.3. Psalms 61.3. <laughs> Glad I came to the church today. For thou hast been a shelter for me. A strong tower from the enemy. What's the Lord trying to say to you and me? I got you. I got you. I got you. And then let's look at the Psalms that Pastor Rhonda wrote. Psalms 91. If you're new to the church, she's the queen, not only the queen of love walk, Psalms 91, I'll just, and not to make light of this, this Psalms in her heart and out of her mouth has protected us from so much and protected you from so much. Um, she learned this Psalm when she was a missionary in India in the middle of the, I can never say that plague, right? Uh, the boob, I can never say it. The blue, the boob, it was a bad plague. <laughs> 
she was there and, um, you know, she had to use her faith. Um, my, uh, my wife, we didn't know each other then, but she tells an account of, um, she was, uh, in a village and she was, uh, working with somebody and, uh, they were somewhere and she didn't feel good about being there, but she wasn't in charge and she couldn't get out of it. And her and another girl were walking somewhere and some dude jumped out of the bushes, so to speak. I'll tell it my way. You can tell it right some other day. Um, uh, with a gun. And she said something just rose up within her and she just chose to believe it was a toy. And she just walked on by him. And so she told, told this minister uh, about it. And he's like, they're, they're not, that wasn't, there was no toy. That was real. So that guy that was trying to rob her must've thought she's one tough American girl. I ain't gonna mess with her. But really what was that? It was just Psalms 91 in action. Now, you don't try that <laughs> if it's not on you to do that. Psalms 91. If you, he that dwells, who, who, I mean, we could just minister on this, but you got to live there in the secret place. You can't visit. You can't visit. You got to live there. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the very shadow. Come on, when you're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty, what can hurt you? What can come against you? But you got to live there. Verse 2. Verse 2. I will say, you got to get your mouth going, of the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God in him will I trust. What is my point to you? God is a refuge. God is a fortress. God is a pavilion. God is a strong tower. You got to run into there. You got to dwell there. You got to live there. But if you do, you will be safe. You will be safe. You, why? Because of everything that Jesus has done for you, you will be safe. Hallelujah. And since you're safe, you don't got to be afraid. Now, I'm not talking about you just doing something because I can go do this. I can go do that. You know, I can, um, you know, uh, act, you know, squirrely and strange and do things. You know, even when the devil came to Jesus, he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off the rock. And what did, the, what did the Lord say to him? The scripture also says, don't tempt the Lord your God. So I'm not talking about doing squirrely stuff. I'm talking about being led of the spirit of God, but I'm talking about living in the, the, under the shadow, in the pavilion, in, in the strong tower, dwelling there. And when you do, you can know you are safe. Everybody say it again. Say, I'm safe. And so then... He talked about um, uh, he's going to protect his children and all will know. And then he said this, the land of, I remember when I said this, I was, I got so excited. And just when you hear it, you get excited about it. It says the land of Goshen will have nothing on you. I said, the land of Goshen will have nothing on you. And just, you know, maybe you're not familiar with the things of God. And how many know the Old Testament is given to us for an example, for a type, um, it's quoted in the New Testament. So anybody that tells you you don't need the old covenant anymore is just bonkers. Because if the Lord is quoting it and, and the epistles is quoting it, uh, it doesn't mean you should ever throw it away. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Holy Ghost assumes you understand it and know it. But you don't live out of it. It's for your example. It's for your learning. Right? And so it's good to understand. And the God of the old covenant is the God of the new covenant. We just have a better covenant than they do. So anything you see that God did for them in the old covenant, you know he's going to do that plus in the new covenant. Come on, you don't have a, a, a new and worser covenant established on worser promises. You have a new and better covenant established on better promises. And the, the same God that delivered the Israelites is the same God that has already delivered you. Same God. Now we just have Jesus, who's the mediator of this covenant. They didn't have a mediator before. You remember what Job said when he was in trouble? He said, I have, I have no daysman. What does it mean? He said, I don't got anybody to go between me and you. Knew, he knew he needed one. What, what did Jesus do? He put one hand on God the Father, and he put one hand on humanity, and he, and he joined our hands together. Hallelujah. He's the mediator of a better covenant. 
And so anything you see in the old covenant, God will do for you. And a, a lot of that is more physical. And yet, and today it's, it's, you got to make, look at it as spiritual. And so Goshen, in case you don't know about it, you know, uh, a man named Joseph, y'all remember Joseph? I uh, remember he had a dream. You remember his brothers and his father adored his dream, encouraged his dream, thought his dream was real good. You know, and they sold him into slavery, you know, and he ended up at uh, Potiphar's house and everything he touched, blessed. And then you remember Potiphar's wife thought he was, um, you know, a, a calendar of the month dude. And she tried to get him. And you remember he, he didn't do anything wrong and she lied. And then Potiphar had a choice between believing his wife and Joseph. And I know because he was being so blessed, that was a hard choice for him. But he had to go with uh, his wife on that one. And you remember what happened to Joseph? He's in prison now, right? And remember, God uses him in prison and he interprets a dream. And remember what he said to him, remember me. And how many remember? They did not remember him. And everywhere Joseph went, in Potiphar's house, he rose up to second in command and everything he did was blessed. In the prison, everything, uh, everything under Joseph's hand, remember he, he got appointed second in the prison and everything he did was blessed. You know, well, you know, I can't believe he was in prison. Well, being second in command in prison is better than being on the bottom of the barrel. And you don't know, it doesn't matter where you're at. I mean, God can take you, in this case, from a prison to a palace in a moment. And you remember a couple years went by, obviously Joseph didn't get bitter about it because the Bible would have said so. Remember Pharaoh had a dream and the guy that was in prison with him said, oh, I have a guy. And so, you know what happened? He interpreted the dream and then Joseph, uh, he was there and he became second in charge of all of Egypt. And while he was in charge because of the dream that he interpreted, um, God was able to save Egypt and make it the most prosperous, powerful nation on the inhabited planet at that time. Because of what? One man who was in prison, who God sent there to save not Egypt, but Israel. Not to save Egypt, Israel. Sometimes we as human, as human beings, we play checkers. God plays chess. And if you're a Star Trek fan, the three level kind. The rest of you, it's just chess. God thinks moves ahead. He had a plan to save Israel. Joseph's in Egypt. And you know how the story went. Well, now it's some 430 years later and new pharaohs and everything. And now the, now the Israelites have become slaves. But they actually all live in an area called Goshen. It's kind of in the middle of Egypt. And from that place is where they live. But you've got to remember, they're all slaves. They're, they're, uh, this Pharaoh was even harder than any other. They were having them go all over the, the nation to get stuff for, for all the buildings that were to be erected. And so these were slaves. And so these slaves did what? They begin to call out and they begin to remind God of the covenant. <laughs> they begin to remind God of their covenant. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we need some help over here. God of Abraham, what are they doing? I, I'm invoking the name of the, co you made a covenant with Abraham. You made a covenant with, I, you, you made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I want you to remember your covenant. And God did what? He remembered his covenant and he sent a deliverer named Moses. So you know, Moses and Aaron show up. And so all these things, because it's time for the children of Israel to be let go, to be delivered out of bondage and slavery into the land that God had promised them. Now, listen to me. You all have a spiritual promised land. It is called the promises of God. All the promises of God are yes and amen in the world. For us today, it's not a physical place. It's a spiritual place. How many of you know you're from heaven? 
your highest citizenship. I know, you know, you can be proud of your nation you're from here on the earth, but that's not your highest place of allegiance. Your highest place is I am a citizen of heaven. I am an ambassador here on the earth. Hallelujah. The rules of heaven apply to me. I'm a son of God. You're sons and daughters of the most high God. So they had a covenant. We have a covenant. What is our covenant? Better. Who, who got us our covenant? Jesus. Where is he today? At the right hand of the Father. Where are you supposed to be today? At the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. So I want to get into this. So here, though, the children of Israel are being delivered out. Sin is calling out for judgment. God is saying you've got to let these people go. And Pharaoh would not let them go. His heart was hardened. And, 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 and he, he, he was trying to, why? Because I'm not going to let go of my free labor. I'm not going to let go of my prosperity. I'm not going to let go. And re- maybe what he doesn't know is you wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for a man named Joseph who God sent. And so you know what happens. But I want you to, what God said, it, the land of Goshen will have nothing on you. So this is a physical city, a physical area where they live. Now, let me just say this to you. In that time, as an Israelite, you needed to be in Goshen. There was a protection around Goshen. There was something about that place where the children of Israel lived. In other words, you needed to be at your place. You needed to be at your dwelling place when these things were going on. You need to be where the Lord told you. You need to be doing what he told you to do. And it's the same today. You know, um, uh, why do you, you and I have to obey the word of the Lord. We have to be where God wants us to be. That word obedience, that word submission, those words are not popular words today. But if you're going to walk in the things of God, you have to submit yourself to God. You have to obey the word of God, be a doer of it. And you have to be where he says for you to be doing what he says for you to do. And so here we go. And all the plagues start coming. These plagues are coming as judgment, as sin, because of sin, because the, the, the children of Israel are, are, are behind schedule. They need to get to the promised land. It is the plan of God. Come on. Is, do you have a promised land? What is it? The, the promises of God. They're yes and amen. I, I'm just going to jump ahead. I'm going to jump ahead. The promise, the promised land. Could the first group have taken it? Was it theirs? Why didn't they get it? Well, because of their unbelief. As a born again believer, are the promises of God that are yes and amen to you, are they all for you? Are they all for you? Are they all, all for you? What do you got to do? Well, you got to receive them. You got to take them. They belong to you. Right? Okay. So in this time we live in, but let's look at here. Let's just go over flies. I mean, you know, one of the names of the devil is Beelzebub, the Lord of the fly. I don't know where you grew up, but I grew up on a farm. And the stink drew the flies. And there could be a lot of them all at once. Exodus chapter 8. I want you to see this. Don't, don't concentrate on the flies so much, even though I just made a deal about it. Uh, Exodus chapter 8, let's start at verse 22. Verse 21, else if you will not let my people go, behold, I'll send a swarm of flies upon you and upon your servants and upon your people and in your houses and in the houses of all the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of swarms, not just a little bit of fly, not that one that shows up at your picnic, swarms of flies and also the ground where the, oh, they're everywhere. But look at verse 22. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell. That no, I must say no flies. No swarms of flies shall be there. How can that be? Because God did it. So if you're living in Goshen, you can have a picnic. There's no swarms of flies. It wasn't a magical city. It was a city covered by the favor of God, by the protection of God. And those were his children because they asked God to deliver them. 
they're walking in a covenant promise right now. It's supernatural, but he's the same God then as he is now. To the end that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Exodus 9. Verse 3, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon the cattle, which is in the field, upon the horses, upon the asses, on the camels, and upon the oxen, upon the sheep. There shall be a very grievous moraine, just a bad disease. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. And there shall be nothing die of all that is in the children of Israel. So you got disease that's, that's a wasting disease that's wasting away all of their livestock. But if you live in Goshen, Bessie's fine. Your milk cow is fine. Amen? Nothing going on there. Is it just Goshen? No, it's because they're in a covenant. And because at Goshen, that's where the covenant people of God live, and he's going to take care of them. Say, so, well, that's good for them. Is God going to do that for Madison? No. He's going to do that in the realm of the Spirit for everybody who's a born-again believer who runs into his pavilion, who goes into the secret place, who will get in the strong tower. Amen. Um, <laughs> Exodus nine twenty six. Verse 25 says, and hail smote throughout the land of Egypt. Verse 26, only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. So it's, it's hailing, destroying the crops, destroying uh, houses, killing people. Uh, it's, it's, it's everywhere, but in the middle of Egypt or wherever that land was, it's because it's not on the border anywhere, but it's kind of in the middle, I believe, then there's no hail there. Why? Because there's a distinction between covenant and non-covenant. Are y'all are good? Exodus chapter 10, verse 22. Um, well, 21. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch forth your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness that may be felt. That's dark. Even dark that may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. I wonder why three days. I wonder why three days. Do you wonder why three days? That's Jesus going into hell. Then it says what? <laughs> they saw not one another. It was so thick, you couldn't see anybody else. Imagine that. That's weird. Neither rose any from his place for three days. But the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. In other words, the lights were on in Goshen. Come on, the lights were on in Goshen. The lights are on in Goshen. Everything's all right. But they had such thick darkness, they couldn't see one. In other words, they found a place to sit, and they just stayed put for three days and didn't move. That's wild. But the lights are on in Goshen. Come on, everybody say, the lights are on in Goshen. And I just put this one in here for fun. Uh, 11, Exodus 11, 2. Now speak now to the ears of the people. Let every man borrow of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor jewels and silver and silver and gold. And the Lord shall give the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and all the sight of the people. In other words, in the middle of all this, after there's gross darkness, um, everybody went into their neighbor's house and said, uh, could I have some new clothes? Can I have those Gucci's? Yeah, that silver I polished all the days of my life. Can I have that? Yeah, here, take the gold ones too. And you know, the Bible says, the psalmist said that they came out with silver and gold and there was not any sick or feeble among them. That is not a fairy tale. That is what happened. Why? Because he's a God of covenant. Why? Because he's a God of covenant. They, they didn't steal that from Egypt. The only reason Egypt had that was because of Joseph. 
And God let the wicked have it until the time of the transfer when it went to those who were God's covenant children. Now, unfortunately for a lot of them, they had silver and gold that they had to walk around with for 40 years because they didn't obey all the way. But I guess their children took it in. I don't know. Now, Exodus chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. It says, all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of the Pharaoh that sits on the throne to the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill and the firstborn of the beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout the land of Egypt, since there is none like it, nor like it anymore. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against the man or a beast, that they will know that the Lord does put a difference between Egyptians and Israel. Now we say, well, the Lord, it sounds like the Lord's mean. No, everybody on planet earth right now has a choice. You can be in this covenant or you can reject this covenant. You can either serve God or not serve God. You can believe that Jesus is the son of God. It's your choice. You have a choice. And even them, they had a choice. Do I, do I want to stay in Egypt and hang out with these people? I mean, you know that that was, that was a thought because after they got out there while well, they wanted to go back to Egypt. It was a thought in there. Because when they got out there, they said, let's go back to Egypt. I want some garlic and onions. I don't know why you'd want that, but that's what they wanted. The, the, the things, nasty things. They wanted to go back to Egypt. So that's in there. They had to make a choice. Am I going to go with God and be in Goshen? Or am I going to do what I want to do? Can you see my point and what God's point, I believe, is this. There is a place. In the old covenant, it was a city. It was an area. It was called Goshen. And remember that day in Goshen where they had that huge cookout. Remember, everybody in Goshen was uh, grilling lamb. Can, can you imagine everybody? There's, most accounts are there was a million of them. Everybody grilling lamb outside at once. What, what about that? Come on. If you're an Egyptian, like, what is up next? What is going on next? What is up with them? And then it was, not after, it was right after that, the firstborn. And, and what was the deal? You put blood on the doorpost. You eat in haste. You get, you get ready because tomorrow you're going on a journey. And the deal is this. You and I have to understand that we have a spiritual Goshen. It's called in Christ. You have a spiritual Goshen. It's called in Christ. We, do, we teach it around here. In Christ realities. In him. In him. In him. I, I'm the righteous of God, of God in Christ in him. I'm accepted in the beloved. It's Christ in me. I, I'm in him. He's in me. You know, sometimes people, when they hear messages like this, they think, I think you all are a little arrogant. I'm not arrogant. I have confidence in God. Arrogant means I have confidence in myself. Well, I've already learned this a long time ago. I don't know much. I can't do much. I can't be much. I can't have much on my own. But I just decided a long time ago, I'm not going to be in me anymore. I'm going to be in him. I'm going to be in him. In him, I can do all things. In him, I can know all things. In him. Goshen is a physical place where when they dwelled there, they, when they dwelled there, when they dwelled there, when these judgments came, they were safe. There were no flies there. That's just an annoyance. But there was no annoyance there. When the hail, then it started getting worser. When the hail came that could kill you in Goshen, they were all safe. None of their cattle died in Goshen. They were all safe. Pastor Mark, do you really believe that if I am in Christ, that I can really be protected from everything that's going on out there? I absolutely, positively, 100% believe it. But it's not enough if I believe it. You've got to believe it. Well, you know, you, you've had things happen to you. I, you know what? We've all had things happen. I'm not talking about working in, walking in a perfect place, but even if something bad happens, I know where to run. I know if I had zigged when I should have zagged, I know that I can get back in the pavilion. Come on. This is not about being perfect. This is about being in him. And when you're in him, that is your spiritual Goshen. 
And he said to us, now get, come on. He said, Goshen will have nothing on you. Goshen will have nothing on you. I mean, that's scripturally, that's true. Because we have a better covenant. A better covenant. Established on better promises. Come on, they used an old covenant. We have a new and better covenant. We can't, but you gotta, you got to walk that covenant. And that covenant, which is established by the blood of Jesus, first of all, you got to be born again. Second of all, you got to know the power of the blood. And you got to live under that covenant. What does that mean? I got, I got to be where I'm supposed to be. I got to do what I'm supposed to do. I have to obey him. I have to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. I have to know who I am in Christ and live there. And you can do it. And I can do it. Come on, Goshen has nothing on you. Goshen has nothing on you. Goshen has nothing on I hear somebody asking, maybe you're watching. Well, why did God do those things? I thought you all said he was good. Well, sin calls out for judgment. It's still a New Testament thing. Yes, God is good. But if you don't judge yourself, you'll be judged. Well, 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 nothing. Just live in God. <clears throat> Don't walk so close. You know, if you have to do, is this sin or is this not sin? For you, it's sin. If you're asking a question, is this sin or is this not sin? Then yes, it's sin for you. Stop it. Should I do? You know, come on. Be in the right place at the right time. Be in Christ. That's your spiritual Goshen. Come on. Run into the pavilion. Run into the strong tower. It's time to be safe. Amen. Dwell in the shadow. Hallelujah. Right under the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. My God in whom I trust. Come on, if he delivered the Egypt, if he delivered the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage, then and he has already delivered you. You just got to receive it and walk in it. Amen. Everybody say, Goshen has nothing on me. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.